Oh, a finish from Lita here to the box. Lotta, will he go for goal? Goes for goal. Here it is! Welcome to the Bees Analytica podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 13. On this week's podcast, we'll discuss the controversial wage cap that they wish to apply to the championship, have a roundup of this week's fixtures and have a look at some of the transfers that have joined the championship in this coming week. As usual, I'm joined by my, my two co-hosts, Alfie and James. How are we doing, gents? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, very good. I bet you're buzzing after this week's performance from Reading. That's obliterated Coventry with a comfortable 3-0 win in the end. Lucas Zhao seems to be grabbing them headlines again, doesn't he? I mean, it was John Swift this week. Oh, player you know what a lot about. Oh, yeah, what one that he doesn't like very much either. <laughs> I never had an issue with his qualities. It was his attitude at his time at Brentford, but he seems to have come on leaps and bounds since being at Reading. So, but no, Reading were mightily impressive again and proving a lot of people wrong by keeping themselves up there in that hunt. But yeah, unfortunately, you won as well. So. Yeah, another good performance by us, to be fair, against a very decent Luton side. They have come on really, really well from last year. And considering they got absolutely dropped 7 0 that first game we played them, they were abysmal. Like, they were one of the worst championship teams we'd seen in a long time. But credit to them, Nathan Jones has turned that ship around and comfortably sat in the table right now. So, hopefully, good things to come from them. Mm, no Tony, though. No, Tony. First yellow card was stupid. He shouldn't have punted the ball away. But at the end of the day, nine out of ten footballers would have done the same thing. And then I don't know what happened with the second yellow. There's been no video incident, nothing to like show what what he was booked for. Apparently, Lockyer hit out at him. But again, no video. I haven't seen anything, so I can't say if it was a fair red or not. Just strange, <laughs> really. I know you had a red card over at Reading. Was it a fair decision or? Yeah, two yellows. It was yeah. just too late. Two, two I mean, There was no need to because the second booking there, he had two men on the cover anyway, and Ajari wasn't going anywhere. But mm-hmm. he just he just um, clipped him and took him out. And he didn't complain or anything, and then as a result, Swift absolutely smashes in that free kick <laughs> five yards as well. So it's a bit of a double whammy. Yeah, we we'll have a feeling. What do you think on that? Because as a as a coach, I'm looking at that and thinking Keeper could have potentially done better. Yeah, and his footwork yeah. was a bit off. He didn't move. He obviously stepped back across to that side, but then not dived that direction. It's just kind of got a bit flat-footed. And but... any free kick that kind of goes in on the keeper side, you always always have to kind of question it. Mm. But I'm yet because it was on the arena channel. There aren't any like other angles. It's there by okay. the one camera, I think. So I, I want to see an angle from behind Swift to see just how much that ball moved because from a side angle it looked it, it dipped a bit but it kind of looked quite straight. But it can't have done because he'd have surely saved it if it literally went straight out. That would be yeah. your logic, but I don't know. Maybe something's incited the goalkeeper, just got caught, caught in the wrong position. Yeah. I mean, Coventry, to be fair to Coventry, I thought first half they were really good. And I was mm-hmm. actually... I mean, I, as you all know, I'm more negative than you guys are anyway. But I did think Coventry were fair, fair dues for a point in the first half. And then I just think that the second goal, 30 seconds after half-time, just absolutely killed him and then we just dominated the second half and we could have created chances at will but we kind of took the more mm. measured approach rested and rotated a few of our players and you know three goals and three points yeah, you can't Co- really argue Coventry are an odd one they currently sit just six points above the relegation places 
there's just been an odd, yeah, real mixed bag this year. We'll go on, some, had some good wins. They beat Millwall last week before, obviously, facing Reading. We were in and about with them. They've, Hammer has been incredible this year, or Hamer has been incredibly good this year. Yeah. But I just don't seem to have enough currently. And then they've got their two top goal scorers, funnily enough, are Hamer and Godden with four each. And they hit a slippery slope down the table. Is that what we're looking at currently now with them and potentially being pulled into that bottom three, especially with Derby starting to find their feet under under Rooney? Yeah. I've, uh, you look at, I think, uh, I had a look at the table the other day, but any of the bottom eight, I think, you know, are at risk of being in that relegation. Well, I mean... Most of them are already, but I think Coventry is certainly slipping into relegation dogfight time. Hmm. It'd be interesting to know when the last time all three promoted teams were just to get relegated. That'd be an interesting one to find out, and I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. Because if they are, all three of them are in real danger of slipping straight back down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it would probably be a first, wouldn't it? For, in our lifetimes, at least. I mean, this is the first year, though, really, where no team from League One to come up, and no one, no one's really surprised that they're struggling. They're, they're, they're three teams that came up. None of them particularly set the world alight in League One for, for the matches that they played. They were just kind of grinding results out. There's no like Sheffield United a couple of years ago that came up and, and people that kind of expected more than just survival off of them. Mm-hmm. This year, all three were more or less expected to be down in that bottom four or five. Do you think um, it's because of COVID though wrecked the schedule? We didn't have a full season to evaluate these teams of. Yeah, maybe they didn't get the opportunity to showcase just exactly what they could do because obviously they really only played, what, just over half? Maybe it was 35 in the end, yeah, before. So, um, you know, maybe they had more explosive in them. But, I mean, all three are just workmanlike teams that managed to get up on on sheer, you know, determination and, and a good team ethic. There, there, it was none, none of them are teams of, That's of harsh. individual stars. That's harsh on Rotherham and Roman Coventry, to be fair. Wickham, obviously... Have a lot of built around their culture and stuff, but again, that comes down to more quality and finances and being able to bring in people. But Rotherham have been in this division before, and Coventry are a nice division of both teams. Yeah, I mean, and Warner the standouts, the standout stars that were for Rotherham when they were last in the championship have all left. Other than <clears> so Hickway is it was now kind of the big man, and he's a defender. They've, they've got a couple of good League One journeyman striker like Freddie Ladapo, and then you have got Coventry who brought in Hamer, who's now their best player in the squad. Callum O'Hare was one of their standouts last year and he looked out of his depth and probably should have put Coventry at least one up over the week. I mean, Coventry, I still think they'll have enough to stay up, but I just, they didn't set the world light coming up from League One, which ultimately you don't have to do. You don't have to come up with the most, it's the most stylish team. You just got to get up there. But yeah. I'd be surprised if any of them did go down this year. But there is that war, I was going to bring it on the topic of relegation. You look at someone like Cardiff now, who seem to have turned it around under Harris, but then they've now gone on to lose five in a row and seem to be in freefall currently. They spent a lot, and we'll come on to that with wages in a bit. They spent a lot of money thinking they can push up the table. And they just seem to be freefall at the moment. I mentioned it in the pre- mid-season preview about the expected numbers were massively underperforming. But at what point do you just say that it's gone stale? and changes potentially needed. Like in this run, they've lost to teams like Wickham. They lost to Brentford, obviously, with three really good quality goals. Norwich, another one up there, but QPR, who were just below them, catching them up. 
at what point if you're Cardiff do you start to seriously worry that the top six is no longer in, t- in sight and you need to consolidate well they got to the playoffs last year and there's very much a kind of a hark back to when Reading last got to the playoffs and then ended up finishing 20th the year after sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't quite work the next year and the expectations have risen because I don't think Cardiff are particularly expected to get into the top six at the uh, last season Considering the money they spent, though, in the summer, you look at Harry Wilson coming in on big contracts. You know, they had to clear quite a few of the decks. Wilson was a big, um, you know, sign of them trying to move forward. But, I mean, they just relied so much on Kiefer Moore this season that, um, you know, when you've only really got one out-and-out score, it's always going to be... Yeah. ...to push up there. And Wilson's not, let's face it, he's not been as good as people expected him to be. He's not the Wilson that was at Derby a couple of years ago in terms of his output but he's not got as good a squad around him. I think that they got more than enough to be in the top half coming into the season if they can turn this around soon. But maybe you just got to hold your hands up and say that it's just not working out this year and you've just got to finish as high as you possibly can. That's the interesting question. I'll bring it to you, Alf. Who is actually available? We've spoken about the manager merry-go-round before. Like, you get rid of Harris. Who do you bring in? Who comes in to actually replace him? Who comes into the Cardiff team and makes them a better side? I... I don't think there is anyone currently. I, I really, I really don't. I can't think of. Do you know what I mean? Normally, there's a manager out there that you think, yeah, you could come in and improve, but not, not this time. Looking at the style of the squad, maybe Paul Cook would, would he bring it? Paul I don't Cook, think. I don't yeah. know if he'd be able to bring it on any further. He's I, a top six manager, but he's not been given the opportunity with a team that's pushing for top six. He did really well with Wigan. Yeah, I think he's um, he's meant to be favourite to go to Sheffield Wednesday, which I, I did think see that. Yeah. I think it'd be a good fit to be fair down there. But they, with Neil Harris, they went very stylistically similar to Neil Warnock because they had a squad built to play the style of football that he wants to play. So I yes. think you'd have to stick with someone quite stylistically similar. Yeah, to, to Harris and Warnock, and hope that maybe it's a motivational thing, and this new manager can come in and just do the right things off the field to get them playing better on the field. Yeah, but we'll, we'll continue on the vein of Cardiff because we're going to some of the transfers this week that have come through. I've loved their business, to be fair, Cardiff. I know they're struggling so far, but Max Waters coming in from Crawley, Perry, NG, NG, I'm going to say that. NG, I think. Yeah. yeah he's oh, two players that have cost them one and a half million quid. That is cracking business, to be fair, from, from their recruitment team. Like, Perry and G has been a standout player now for the last two, three seasons at League Two and League One level. I'm yeah. surprised how long crew have been able to keep hold of him, and only to get for, for, I think it's 350k was the reported fee plus bonuses for promotion and yadda 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 yadda. But I am genuinely surprised that he has taken this long to step up, and I think Cardiff there have got themselves an incredibly good fullback for the price that they paid for him. Like, mm. He's I, one I look at to hope Reading might sign potentially if um, that right back if we don't, you know, because Yeardon, as much as he is the first choice, if we're not going to get 30 odd games out of him, then maybe value for money wise, it might be worth looking somewhere else. As much as he's, we could right back and probably one of my favourite players in the squad. But I think it's about time he got championship level and he's at a club now where he can push on and, and develop his career. That's why I think with the whole ma- manager stuff, if they were to theoretically sack him, is there a squad here that necessarily could be set up to play in a decent side? Like, NG is no mug. Wasser's at Crawley is, is used to playing in a good system. Wilson has played at all levels, especially in Derby. 
who's played well. Kiefer Moore at Barnsley. You know, there's players there that have played in the good systems before. Maybe if they're looking at this and rip up that book now, you've done with the Warnock Dash Harris era, and move into that new expansive football that every team goes to play. Which manager is going to take you that direction? Well, there's plenty in the lower leagues. I think Plymouth Ryan Lowe has been excellent this year. Michael Dunn at Cheltenham has been really good. I think at but... Newport, Flynn and the staff there have done a really good job getting them to play football in difficult circumstances this year. Like there is plenty of quality in this division or in the divisions below that have set templates. You know. Oh, so... I agree. But do you think a manager will move to a Cardiff job where potentially, if it doesn't go right, he's out in the summer? I think if you're a lower league manager and Cardiff come knocking, they're probably what, if not one of the biggest clubs in that league, probably one of the richer clubs in the league. You don't say no. It furthers your career, even if you're gone in ten months six months you're going back down to league one potentially especially if coming up from league two so yeah, that, if you're looking at danny cowley did that with lincoln and he's not had a look in at a job since I was he was say, one of the highest rated mention him he was one of the highest rated managers mm-hmm. at the time he had lincoln about what six points clear at the top of yeah. league there. So mm-hmm. it's not always you know sunshine and rainbow to it and, and he didn't even do anything wrong at Huddersfield. they just found no. him directly yeah. yeah. he's not had a look in since so it's it's not just as, sim- as simple as jumping across and even if it goes badly, you're going to get another job because a reputation can stick. Plus, I don't think, why would Cardiff, I don't think Cardiff would sack a manager and then look down to League 1 or League 2 with the hope of getting playoffs. I don't, I don't think that's how the, the hierarchy of a club like that would work, particularly. That's maybe if you're looking point. at a long-term plan, then maybe if you're thinking can take you... Maybe if you just bring someone in just to change the style and then someone comes in to finish off the job and t- turn them into a promotion-challenging side. But I don't mm-hmm. think a Ryan Lowe or a Michael Flynn comes in and, and gets a Cardiff team into the top six. But then again, they haven't been given the opportunity. So maybe if they're given the chance, I mean, that's the gamble you've got to take, I guess. That was my whole point, though, is that that's when they, if they're looking to change direction because they feel the top six has gone. From, mm. is out of reach now that's where I was meant to take a punt and bring someone in from the lower divisions to then change it up mix I'd up like the to style. see them I'd like to see a manager from one of those leagues given the job and actually given time to work the job mm-hmm. Cowley didn't get long enough Ryan Lowe's done wonders at Berry and Plymouth if he was to get take the job I think I'd like to see him get at least two or three years to set his stool out and actually do what he's you know be given the opportunity to do what he was brought in to do rather than given six months, see it's not gone very well, and then sack him. Yeah, Brentford have done it already successfully with Smith, and now look <coughs> from flying high with Villa, and they've been incredibly good this year, and he's built an incredibly good squad there. From Walsall to Brentford to Villa, they have all played very good football all the way through, and it's great to see the development path. I think we need more of that, especially coming yeah. coaches coming through the pathway. Yeah, what's it like in Wales, Jake, um, between the two clubs what would Flynn would it be an easy jump you think from a, a Newport to a Cardiff is there a strong relationship between the two clubs I think the thing is Newport haven't played in the champion League One or the championship for a long time now obviously there's always that rivalry and it was saw in the EFL Cup this season where Newport played Swansea and beat them comfortably to be fair to them and played really well so I don't know I I think Wales itself, I don't think there would be much issue between the two clubs. I think most people would recollect would would sit there and and think it'd be a good opportunity for a young Welsh manager to get 
the job at arguably yeah i think to see that development i think i think most people would look at that especially if you're in newport's camping it's a step up it's a a next step and you would just wish best Walsall fans might have not looked at it the same way with smith and the way it went with him but again you can now admire that he's now in the premier league with villa and potentially if an england job was to come up would probably be one of the names on the shortlist for it so yeah i think especially as a lower league club there's nothing better than seeing your player develop and go for it or coach even i think it's the same situation and that whole loyalty situation is not it's not loyalty but you know what i mean that attachment to a coach i don't think it would be like a lewis figo moving from barcelona to madrid if if that's yeah, the point we're trying to make because i'm um kind of seeing that obviously the links with um omar richard going to to buy munich you'd think that a lot of the fan base in reading i don't know if alfie has seen this as well but you'd think it'd be anger at, at losing one of your best players but what i've seen is a lot of the fans just sitting there and thinking wow you know someone from our academy is going to be you know playing for one of the biggest clubs in, in the in the world yeah I I... a lot more kind of hands up and thinking well you know what can we really do if a club like this comes knocking but it's nice to to see fans not hold a grudge over a player wanting to progress yeah i agree yeah the omar Richards to buy munich you just want to see one of your players do well i always think it when i watch everton in the or when I watch Everton and it used to be Tottenham in the Prem with Gilfie Sigurdsson or Shane Long at Southampton, it's always nice to see your ex-players go on and perform well. The only thing, and I don't think it's Richards' fault, is that we don't get a fee for him. But yeah. I, I think that's more due to the management of contracts rather than the player himself. Yeah, so, no, yeah I've seen that. I don't, I don't think Richards is getting any of the blame thrown. Yeah, whatsoever. I don't think you can blame Richards for the situation that his contract is in you know what gents we'll park this conversation here and we'll we'll do it next week on the podcast we've got a few more things to cover but we'll discuss the academy system what you think it's worth what's the point in it you know and we'll see if we can get someone on to have a chat about academy systems especially because they're an interesting one obviously they all have my view as a Brentford fan without one Huddersfield fans will have a similar sort of view to me but we'll park that there and we'll bring it up next week because Richard is an interesting case especially if, if this buy-in transfer does go through Mm. You know, on the well, if, as we always talk about, is money makes the go, world go round currently. So I'll leave this one to you, James, to introduce the controversial wage cap that has been proposed and basically gives us some nonsense of it. Tell us what it's about, what's the plan, who's opposing it, you know, usual stuff. Yeah, so um, there's been obviously a lot of frustration around the current financial fair play restrictions in the Championship at the minute. And one of the ways I think that they're trying to go around it is by introducing a wage cap, which I understand they've already done in Leagues 1 and League 2 the last couple of years. So the league have, um, have suggested an 18 million per season salary cap in the championship. Um, but And obviously with any EFL rule, it would need at least two-thirds backing to go through. But with the latest report, and I read in a, a report in the uh, mail, nearly half the championship clubs have already opposed the plans. And yep. it's mainly stemmed down to the three of Brentford, Bournemouth and Norwich that have put together an eight-page document that have basically just slated the um, slated the proposals. And I think I saw a stat where someone's already found fifty loopholes to the suggested plans before the plans have even been before the plans have even, you know, come to fruition. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's not sounding the most effective way of um, of, you know, of changing the financial landscape in the championship and, and the main argument i think is that 
all it's going to do is make that gap between the Premier League and the Championship even bigger than it already is. I mean, it's probably good because it makes it a more competitive league in the league, but those teams that are then having to leave the league to go up to the Premier League, I think might end up struggling. See, interesting. Do you talk about that? I'm thinking more of the impact that it'll have on League One teams coming up to the Championship. When you go from a 2.5 million squad wage and you can suddenly go to 18, you're not going to suddenly gain 12 million pounds of players' wages in a summer unless you have an owner that has a wealthy, wealthy pocket. That just won't be sustainable. Is it 2.5 million for the season or is it 2.5 million million a year? That it? For League One? I I thought that's, that's what you just said, wasn't it? I believe so. I will double check our information there. Yeah, I think that's what you just said. But when you look at that gap, I, I know that everyone's going to talk about the gap to the Premier League and the Championship, but the Premier League don't care. They they really don't care. Um, but yeah, when we think about it now, three teams from the Championship uh, that look like being relegated are the three teams that have come, down, uh, come up from League One. That gap's only going to increase yeah. as this wage gap keeps going and keeps going yeah, you're 100 right it as does. well it's two and a half million pounds per season or per year it, it, it would yeah. make league one and league two clubs attractive to buy though if they know that if you can get them up you've then got another 17 odd million to spend how do you compete but that's not sustainable james and the it whole idea of these keep them up yeah but if you go back down and then you suddenly have 15 million pounds worth of wages when you're only allowed 2.5 yeah but i think you are given aren't you given like I think the clubs, I think the teams that come down, they're given a grace period. I think I don't think I, I don't know how long that grace period lasts, and I don't think you're going to get twelve million pounds worth of players out. Say, say if it's a season, I don't think uh, that's going to. They just hold on to the players in the view that they get promoted again. And you know, why get rid of them? We've got a grace period. Don't worry, we've got a year to get rid and re-regulate our books. Oh, hang on, exactly. we've been promoted again. There's your issue. Then you're down again. And you're up again. And you're down. And they go, oh, no, sorry. Give us a year. We'll sort it out this time. We promise. Oh, we've been promoted again. So yeah. Issue's gone. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think it'll work. At all. No. Absolutely. It won't work in the championship. And I, I don't think it's even going to get off the ground looking at the clubs that are opposing it. But you can see the three main clubs that are opposing it. I mean, almost half the league, I said, there's 10 clubs are thought to have shared the view. But the main three being Brentford, Bournemouth, and Norwich, all of which are up there. And they're not looking at the teams that are going down to League One. They're, they're looking at their own interests and going up to the Premier League. Oh, 100%. And I look at that with... So we had someone crunch the numbers. That I can't verify the source if this is the official figures. These are just what they've put together for the information we have. But you look at... It's only Norwich and Bournemouth, you said, with the two that oppose it, are over by 10, 10 million and nearly 20 million by one. Brentford are under it. So it's not even for financial reasons. If they're under the current wage that Brentford are opposing it, there must be something else. Do you, was there anything in the reports that stated why they disagreed so so passionately about it? Well, yeah, the main way they um, the main way they introduced it is could could end the championship as a competition, in yep. quotes, and make the league impotent was uh, an, another one. Um, and and the, yeah, one one financial director has said there's already thirty ways to cheat the rules. Yes, so what's the point in bringing in rules if you can cheat them? Yeah, well, I mean, they've already had the issues, haven't they, with the stadium sale fiasco? I mean, I'm not sure if they're particularly in, you know, against a salary cap per se, or whether they're against the 18 million part. But I mean, I don't think any big club is particularly going to want to make their job harder 
No. And I think the thing is as well, is clubs are in different positions. You can't introduce a rule that suits one and all. If you think of a club like Notts Forest, the attendance that they get compared to the attendance that Wickham get, that's a massive jump in revenue from match day sales that Forest have over Wickham. Why penalise Forest for having fans in their ground and making money and you, then not allowing you, them to send it? You're posting then a cap. One. Oh, sorry, James, go ahead. Oh, I was saying we've got that in League One where Sunderland with oh, yeah. 45, 50,000 is with Accrington Stanley who hold about 1,200. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's, so we've got posing a finance system where it's relative to what you bring in. Like, which currently FFP does. Are we saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just I, I think FF, FFP is a good idea. It's just the way it's been implemented and the ways around it that clubs have found that's been the issue. It, I, I, I think the whole concept of FFP is quite a good idea. Well, it's got to be not the way it's introduced. There's got to be some way of stopping clubs or trying to prevent clubs from going to the rule. It's frustrating right now as a Reading fan. But mainly is the first because we're you know constantly breaking it. But the frustration is more so with the owners than the rules themselves because the rules have been set out for a reason. If you choose to break them, then I don't think that's particularly the rules' fault. That's the people that are running the club. No, but it's the loophole. I don't think it's it. If you if you're a well, take the Reading owner, Die Young. If you're Die Young and one of your pals comes up to you and says you can put an extra twenty million into the club by doing this. It bends the rules, but you don't break them. You won't get fined. You're going to do it because you want to get the club up to the Premier League. 100% Bournemouth have already pulled that stuff, haven't they? Where they literally oh, yeah. piled money into it, went up, well, and then got a slap on the wrist when they came back down. Yeah, like, well, think about Wolves as well. Wolves did exactly the same. And QPR. And they had a massive fine, and they're suffering for it ever since. So they can't really bring in their players to... I don't know if you guys saw the report. They were apparently asking for more leniency from members of the EFL in order to accommodate paying for the fine because they were struggling due to the COVID pandemic, which I assume most teams are. Mm. But, yeah, it's a mess. We, I was done a bit of the number crunching, as I mentioned, and there's a great fact that popped out is Watford's wages per week total the bottom seven in wages, which would be Wickham, your Luton, your Barnsley, your Coventrys. But that combined just manages to equal to Watford's nearly, which is three quarters of a million a week. Like their highest paid players apparently on alleged fees of 63,000, 63,000, 55, 45, 45, 40. And that's just the top six earners. Now you yeah. can back to someone like Barnsley, 10,000, 8,000, seven and a half, seven and a half, six and a half. That's their top six. How how do you then try and regulate this? I I don't understand that with the wage cap. And I, in principle, I can see we need to protect clubs that don't end up going like berries, who spend fortunes to try and get promoted and then ultimately end up liquidating themselves. Mm. But how do you regulate between Watford and Barnsley, whose difference in wages is nearly ten million a year? But, uh, and this is what we we love about football is that especially in the championship. <laughs> Is that mishmash of of the league of people coming down from the giant? It's the Premier League, and people going up to from what is League One. I mean, it's it's why we love it on the field, and you know David versus Goliath, and it is off the field as well. But it does make it increasingly difficult 
to try and have a, a one rule suits all when the clubs are totally different sizes and shapes. Mm-hmm. I'll bring this to you, Alf, obviously as our resident finance expert. What do you think football needs to do in order to sort its money problem out from in the EFL specifically? The Premier League's its own entity, we'll leave that there, that's a whole different conversation. With your finance head on, how would you look at trying to fix the disparity? I, th- I think it's tough. I think, unfortunately, teams, well, unfortunately, team owners want to get to the lofty heights and the riches of the Premier League. And so we'll go about spending as much as they can, creating the best squad they can. Um, so I don't, th- it's hard because if you look at a team like Brentford, that's ideally what a League One club wants to do. Come up to the championship, establish yourself, then build towards promotion. Um, and they've done it a sustainable way. They haven't gone out of and spent over their means and spent what they can't cover if it doesn't happen. As you can see by them challenging for three or four years constantly now. So uh, I do believe financial fair play has a way in this game, it, it, in the world of finance at the moment, but I do think it needs to be adjusted. I think when it was created, there were already issues and I don't think they fully understood what impact these issues would have until you see now with clubs breaking them and clubs going bust and yeah. And also I think half of it boils down to the owners. Mm -hmm. The owners checks need to be done more thoroughly. They need to be verified by a panel or or something needs to happen with that because you get good owners. Then I don't think we have some of these issues like has happened at, at Bury or what's currently happening at Derby with Mel Morris. Mel Morris is refusing to pay wages because he's selling the club. Well, how that's like saying I own my house and I'm planning on selling it. I don't have to pay for electricity or water. Yeah, It's ridiculous. Can I just, we've got some breaking news three minutes ago that Neil Harris has left his post at Cardiff with the media. All right, we'll see where that goes then, boys. Mid, so, mid uh, special. Yeah. Next so week. <laughs> What's up, boys? We've had the future. <laughs> Sorry about that, Alf, to cut yeah, you no. off. No, no. Big breaking news. Big breaking news. I think I like the idea with the fit and proper test for the owners, but then do you end up in a system where you have your Benhams, your Bristol City bloke, who between them have piled in £300 million of their own money into the club? Like, that's a shit ton. To pull it into perspective, obviously Brentford got a new stadium out of it. Bristol, I know they've redeveloped the entire Ashton Gate. But if that one person, for instance, just has enough, walks away, they don't care about the club anymore or tragically die. What do they do? What does a club like Brentford do who has relied so heavily on Benham's investment? I know you talk about the good eggs, we've done it right. But that's a distinct possibility for a future of once the money runs out or they're bored or they don't want to anymore or they tragically pass or something happens are they so now reliant on these owners to dig them out of a hole how do they get themselves out because they're not sustainable that's why you need the owners check and um, that's what i mean do we because we have these good eggs you have these owner checks it's brilliant ben and passes with my colors he's had great companies throughout i think is it lane at bristol city james uh lansdowne, Steve lansdowne. lansdowne. there you go it's been brilliant he's done great things but that question is what if they walk 
That is nearly £300 million between two owners of two championship clubs that they've invested. Obviously, this is all hypothetical. Obviously, I'm not saying Benham's just going to get up and leave. Oh, yeah, because why yeah. would he? <laughs> but under yeah, £50 yeah. Million in, you're not just going to leave. It's not a pet project by that point. No, no, no. But that is serious questions to be asking like that. Because the other end of the scale is like, what happens if you end up in a Wigan situation? If the conspiracies were true and the owner only came into it, put it into administration in order to win a bet. Oh, exactly. In order you know, to win a bet. two ends to this scale. How he has passed that owner's check. Oh, it still frustrates me to this day. Do we think we need to regulate then what owners can put in in terms of development across the board? Because I know they're currently restricted in what they can invest in playing squad, but in infrastructure as well. Personally, I think there needs to be an independent panel that gets appointed to approve these plans of clubs. Okay, no, I like make that. sure they're sustainable and independent, obviously, so that you know you don't have uh, a Brentford fan on the board that opposes development from Norwich, kind of thing. You, you know, you, you know, what I mean. What finance people, people and, that understand how it works and yeah, is it sustainable for the club to do it? Exactly. I, I think there needs to be something like that. But then again. Who's going to want to pay for that? You know. And if it's only going to cost you a certain amount of money, surely clubs just put the money into finding the loophole around it. Yeah. It's such tr- Money makes the world go round in weird and wonderful ways, but... What's the phrase? Money talks, I believe. Yeah. Money talks. And while we, you know, discuss all these bad eggs and these horrible owners, we've got to remember we don't want to lose that romantic within you that, wants to get you know wants to do a city and you want to get taken over and you want this man or this you know group of people to build this whole you know concept around you i mean look mm-hmm. at city before the takeover they were yo-yoing for the, between the championship and the premier league a lovely guy who's obviously got the club at heart as well as making a lot of money which he has has now transformed them into one of the biggest superpowers in the in the country in the world and you know you've always when you look at dave whelan who took over wigan when they were in non-league and took them up up to the Premier League within like five or six years of getting into the Football League, winning the FA Cup. You know, you, you want these, you don't want to shut off the opportunity for people to buy the club that that could be good for the club. There's issues, that there's always the issues and you need to be careful of what happens, of clubs getting dug into a hole because your Whelans walk away, your John Majewski falls into that category, walks away from the club. Brendan have been in turmoil financially off the pitch now for years. Well, he's, he's put, put all he's that work in. Obviously, and I get that was all good intentions and stuff, but like like I mentioned with the Benham and the Bristol blokes, that, that they walk away, they are perceived good men of football currently and have done it the right way, but they walk away. Swansea have suffered that as well. They did all that hard work going all the way through the divisions. They've sold themselves and they've had to now dig themselves out of a hole they're in currently sat in the championship. It's just such a difficult one to discuss and regulate because as clubs get smarter and the stakes get higher, they just find ways around it. That whole stadium fiasco with FFP was ridiculous and morally completely wrong, but legally, it did nothing. If you're in the case of Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Reading and all the others that did it, technically they did nothing wrong to the letter of the law. Well, ish. But, you know... It's just, I think FFP needs looking at. But then how do you look at it? <laughs> you know? Well, ultimately, you're always going to upset someone. And obviously, everyone has their own intentions at heart. 
and it's difficult to get enough votes to pass anything because everyone's covering their own backsides and making sure that the rules suit them best, not the league as a whole. Everyone wants to ensure that they're, you know, I guess rightly so, that their interests are at top of the pile, which is why it's still going to be so difficult to, to pass anything. Yeah. Yeah, well, we didn't cover it quite near enough, though, but we'll talk about it now a bit, is the gap between League 1 or League 2 to League 1 up to then the Championship and then up to the Premier League. If we continue to regulate spend, where do we see this taking the game going, especially for the EFL and the 72 that currently within it? What's our general thoughts on that and how it would end up playing well, out? You're looking at a closed shop eventually, I guess. If if clubs aren't able to invest enough to survive in the next division, you're just going to be looking at the same clubs in the same leagues, or at least the same clubs in the same league every other year, if not you know, when they go up and go down. Yeah, but it's just going to be a struggle if you're not giving the teams the chance to, to kind of thrive. Because the whole point, of what makes English football so great, is that you can have teams go from the fourth division to the top. You have Wimbledon's and your other examples that have gone up and up and up. Even Brentford have gone up and up for the last five or six, seven, eight years. Years. <laughs> um, you know that that's what you want to see, and it's what makes English football so great. So you, whatever you do, you don't want to lose that by not giving teams a chance to at least. You know, build build on themselves. You don't want clubs to be what they have to be. You know, you don't want a club just because Rochdale are in League One now doesn't mean they have to be in League One forever. You want to mm. give them enough opportunity that if they get the right owner and they do it the right way, that they can progress themselves and become more than what they are. Otherwise, both of our teams will be stuck down in League One and League Two forever. Which, as much as we'd have done it because we love our clubs, it's not going to be the most exciting thing playing the same teams every other year. You've got to give teams a chance to progress. Yeah, um, I think I fall with the same boat is James currently of if you stifle people's ability to grow and go through leagues where we've lost the game like unless you've got an, an unfortunate enough to have the 92 back you where do you see yourself going you can't climb through the divisions or leagues without serious backing and then who's going to want to put a project into a league 2 team when you can probably buy Back end championship team and do what Wolves did. You can either buy, or buy a Premier League team on the cheap if they're struggling. And I think we just end up seeing that divide between the lower divisions grow. And I'm surprised massively, especially with COVID, that we haven't seen more clubs struggle. I know we've had Derby and Wigan as high profile cases in recent weeks, but I'm surprised we haven't seen more. And by now stifling people's earnings. I think we're just going to see that gap widen if these proposed plans do get approved. You know, I, yeah. we'll, we'll let you close up Alf, on your thoughts on this because I want to bring one last perspective in before we do finish today's pod. But what's your view on the matter? Like, as a fi- and we'll go from your finance view now. Put your your cap on and have a think. Oh, it's my finance point of view. You reject all of it. You reject all of it. Why would you want to be told you can only spend eighteen? if you suddenly have the ability to then be able to spend 22 and then you'd gain an advantage on everyone else because you're, you know, you're able to spend more money. There's, there's no chance teams are going to accept this. The only teams that will accept this are your teams like Wigan or Huddersfield that have quite a small budget already. And that's why you're seeing about two thirds of the EFL rejecting it. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Let me find the document. But what is it? As James mentioned, there was thirteen teams proposed or disagreed with it. With the front thirteen teams disagreed with it, and you look at teams like Swansea and Brentford. They're both in about the six million pounds per year. Well, if they suddenly find an owner that wants to put a bit of money in them, you know, they can only invest two million of wages into the first team. You can't. Yeah. Whereas if you're looking at Brentford and Swansea is trying to compete with Norwich and Bournemouth to go up. I mean, Bournemouth are spending close to 40 million a year. That's double what Swansea and Brentford are spending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always room to grow. And if it's done sustainably, then I think that's where you have to be sensible as a club. You you can't overspend your means. Mm-hmm. You can't. And I think that's where it's up to owners and financial controllers to regulate it well i'm going to bring in one last viewpoint on this then and the, the ones we haven't discussed yet the players how would you name one other industry where you're told that your pay is regulated to a certain cap and you can only be paid within that cap yeah when considering players typically will have a 15-year career right they don't work like the rest of us they don't and again that's another argument for another day of why should they be paid that much you have that 15 year period to earn money in you know we've not looked at it from that viewpoint as a player you're going to a club that's only got two and a half million a year left on that salary that's only about 20 30k isn't it if i've done my maths right yes why why should a player be limited on their income like (laughs) what there's no other industry in the world that does that that goes right there's a salary cap on us you're only earning that amount Because that's reckon, what our budgets propose. Do you reckon we might see more move abroad like we're seeing now if that comes into place? If you know, if clubs in other countries oh, yeah. are allowed to offer more. Why would anyone want to come to the championship if you could go to Ligon where there's no salary cap or you know, and you can earn an extra five grand? Yeah, okay, it might not be a more exciting league, it might not be a more exciting team. And but why? Why would anyone? Why? Why would a foreign player want to come to the English Championship or League One or League Two if they're being told, "Sorry, buddy, you can't earn more than this amount"? No one's. No one would come. It might become more of a stepping stone because then Premier League clubs know they can get players on cheaper wages. Because well, if you're in the Championship earning twenty grand, you can't then and go to, and demand fifty odd grand off a Premier League club. You'll be well, exactly. uh, you'll get a slight raise on what you've got in this league, and then. It's like, I don't know if you've seen the rumours, but Josh King's asking for 120 grand. There's no way he can demand that. If 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 his wage gets regulated at, I don't know, let's call it 30 if he's a top earner or whatever. But there's no way that Premier League, that he'll be able to demand that off a Premier League club. They'll say, you know, we'll give you 35. Take it or leave it. There's no and, way that he can demand that now. This is Josh King we're talking about. Bournemouth. Well, yeah. Demand yeah. 20 grand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different story, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I'm yeah. with you, but I've been very pro-players. You know me. I speak a lot about my viewpoint on players and talking of earnings and at the end of the average manager, to be fair, that loyalty in football doesn't exist purely because of the fact that clubs need this to survive. Yeah. And, well, and also not players, know. sorry. Well, it... players need it to make a living. Yeah. And it's a profession at the end of the day. I don't care. And you might have all the, as fans, we have the beauty of 
oh loyalty exists they would never give up on our club we are three people sat in this part or in this group and we would all agree if we were offered more money to do the same job elsewhere we would all go 100%. Not, not at Reading or Brentford, though. I would, 100%, I, would, if, I would snap someone's arm off and leave if I was being paid. I, would, I, would leave I wouldn't leave Reading if because that's my that's my club. But but I understand yeah. why someone that's not a fan of that club would leave. Yeah, one hundred. So you're at Barcelona, Barcelona come knocking, and you're at Reading. Oh no, I'm in the dream situation. I'm never leaving. Yeah, as long know. as it's a reasonable amount I can live off, I would leave. Really. No, yeah. I honestly wouldn't. Oh, jeez. Especially if Barcelona come knocking, Reading have to have been doing decent. So I'd be more than happy to be at Reading. Look at yes. Gerard. He didn't, you know, he, he didn't leave to go to Chelsea or Real Madrid when he was offered. Yeah, I'm not sure sure helped that he's Gerard. probably being paid 150 grand a week to soften that yeah, blow. But he was getting offered more at Chelsea. We'll never know. We'll never know on that contract. If Barcelona were looking at Reading, then Reading must have been doing reasonably well, and Reading must have. Been able to offer me a reasonable amount. By Munich, look, you know, Omar Richards, Reddin not doing spectacular or pulling trees up. Only because he's he is, and he's cheap, and he's and he's, and he's in England under twenty-one international. At the age of twenty-two, but again, <laughs> okay, when he was twenty-one, he was an under twenty-one international. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wouldn't leave my club, but I would, I would leave any other club. I would, I would leave any other club for money unless I was. You know, captain of Reading or playing every week for Reading. But, Barcelona's but, finance department comes weird. knocking. You're at Reading's at the time. But Barcelona's finance department come in and go, ah, no worries, come work in Spain. Come work for us at Barca. Nah, hard. Oh, I prefer Reading. Oh, I honestly I, wouldn't. I, I don't club. believe you. I, would. I don't believe you at all. You don't have to believe Because <laughs> it will never happen. But this is all I <laughs> All right, James, thanks. <laughs> Good point. Uh, but hypothetically, no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. No, but oh. if you look at it from a, a point of Premier League, the championship club's going to be easy pickings. If you're limited to 25 a week, championship club offer you 30, 35 to be a squad member. You're you're going, you're going to sit on the bench and you're not going to, you're going to enjoy your life. You know, it will ruin the championship market. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see, uh, don't get me wrong, Norwich are pretty much a Premier League club, but they're demanding 40 million for Wendia. Yeah, salary cap, and he's earning twenty. If you're Arsenal, you're saying, "Oh, don't worry about it. You give him the money, and he buys himself out of his contract." Would you then see that could be a case? To be fair, how much do the player then needs to bought out their own contracts? Neymar's contract was two hundred and twenty million or whatever it was, wasn't it? So, for a Championship player, it's not going to be a massive amount is it because he's probably earning what they earn in a year so well you know. according to this source Benade is earning 25,000 a year or no a week sorry until 2024 so that's quite a lot of money so he he's probably a not very good example but a player that's got a year year and a bit left on his contract you know it's <laughs> crazy Richards will be able to buy himself out of his contract now yeah What's, how's that whole Bosman thing work I know. Would that be able to? So Richard yeah. is only allowed to move. There's a fee for him, isn't there? He can move. He can start discussing terms with, with foreign clubs now. Yep, first of January. Yeah, but you can't discuss moves with other British clubs until the end, until your contract's actually out. So yeah, which is thirty for June, is it? Yeah, yeah end, of, like end of June, beginning of July. He can do what Saeed Samuel has done. Yeah, that's why he's going. 
but they have to pay a fee to buy him out of said contract if he wishes to move. If, if, he, goes, if he wants to go in January, yeah. yeah. Then they pay out the rest of his wages or contract. See, you look at this. Allegedly, Richards and Elise are both on just over two grand a week each. <sighs> yeah. What's stopping by and just giving well, half, half a million and saying, here you go, fellas. point is, um, well, because they can get him for free. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> that might, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing. I have just lost my train of thought completely. No worries. <laughs> no worries. I think oh. I think we're just about just over the forty-five mark. To be fair, I think, I think we all agree the wage limit or cap, whatever you want to call it, is a stupid idea. We don't think it's particularly worth implementing. It's for various reasons. We've gone through them to death in this pod. To be fair, yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up there, boys. But next week we will discuss the academy system because we have some very different views on it, especially. Someone coming at it from a Reading point of view, who were allegedly the best, one of the best academies in the country, if you believe the category system. So, we'll leave it there, gents. Um, as usual, thank you very much for listening to this week's pod. I know we've rambled on a bit, and obviously the Paris stuff in the middle of the podcast really helps when you're trying to record. So, we'll see where they go next. That'll be a fascinating one to see if they do poach the lower leagues, as we've mentioned. But please do like, follow, subscribe, listen, and share it where you can. It does massively help help the podcast. I think we're nearly at a thousand listens in just a shy of fifteen episodes, which is really, really good work. And we couldn't have done it without any of you. Thank you so much, and we're on to the next one.